The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Jesus set his face like flint in carrying out the mission of God. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Heavenly Father, your word is more precious than fine gold, and sweeter than pure honey. As we turn to your scripture, send your Holy Spirit to infuse your word with truth and grace. Grant that the good news of your love will shine before our eyes and delight our senses so that we cannot, so that we cannot help but respond with wonder, with faith and trust in Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Way back in 1869, one of the greatest works of fiction that has ever been published was written by perhaps a, a, a perhaps the most premier Russian author, a man by the name of Tolstoy. Tolstoy was a self-proclaimed Christian. And, and he wrote a story, a novel, a major novel by the name of War and Peace. The title of that novel, War and Peace, reflects the dual theme of the novel. The story is divided into two main parts, and, and each of the parts corresponds with the title, War and Peace. The war theme. extensively covers the war with Napoleon and Russia, the French and the Russians. The war theme delves into the military stra strategies, the battles uh, that impacted both countries, the war strategies. The theme, the peace theme, of the novel is contrasted with the war theme of the novel. The piece refers to, in this novel, refers to the domestic and personal lives of the, the characters are involved that are involved in this story. The characters that are involved in the story are Russian. It's a Russian family, five Russian families. And he takes you through the, their lives during the war times and the peace times when the war stop for a little bit and it started up again. By combining the two contrasting elements, war and peace, the author gives us a, a comprehensive exploration of the human experience. The entire in the entirety of the human experience has always been about war 
and peace, war and peace, and the war and peace of our nature and society's nature. Now, it's important to note that the novel uh, doesn't present a, a utopian view of peace. It doesn't. It talks about peace, meaning peace while there's no war. But it talks about the cycle, the reoccurring theme of war and peace. Ultimately, the theme of war overrides everything. And we can relate to this even today. The theme of war is in our lives. Whether we engage in combat in the battlefield or are struggling with the many complicated obstacles that we face in our daily lives, there is no peace because humanity is engaged in a continuous war against God and against everybody else, against each other, against other societies and against each other. Hence the need for a savior. Today we're continuing our sermon series on the foundational doctrines, the foundational teachings of Christianity. This evening we're, we're, we're seeking to answer the question, what was Jesus's mission? What was Jesus' mission? Now, most of the time when you hear that, when you think, well, Jesus' mission when he came down from heaven was to save me, was to save us. And we look at that as an individual thing. And it certainly is. You personally have to receive him as Savior. But that's not the entirety of his mission. His mission was, to, was a restoration of creation, was to restore creation to the way it was, including the people to the way it was. Jesus Christ came down from heaven to usher in into our present reality the kingdom of God. That was his mission. He came and he ushered in the kingdom of God. Now that, again, extends beyond the individual. It extends beyond you. It's bigger than us. It includes the entirety of uh, the restoration of all of creation. <clears throat> God accomplishes this through the life and work and death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the reason why at the birth of Jesus, the multitude of angels, if you recall the story, the multitude of angels appeared and they praised God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those, and this is important, peace with God among those with whom he is pleased with whom God is pleased. That is an interesting, interesting to hear. And certainly something not to overlook. <clears throat> the mission of Jesus Christ is to bring peace to God's people and to restore God's creation. Now please understand that the kingdom of God 
is both a present reality and a future hope. Present reality and future hope because it's not complete yet. It is already begun, but not yet completed. While believers are called to embody, if you're a true believer, you're called to embody Christ-like, Christ-like values, to live Christ-like, to live like you're a kingdom of God, like you're a citizen of the kingdom of God in the here and now. That's what you're called to do. But there's also an expectation, a great anticipation of a future consummation that is a future completion of perfection. There is a future perfection that God is going to bring in his creative order that would include all of his created order, including his people. This will occur when God's reign is fully realized at the return of Christ, when he returns in his second advent. Now, to understand what's taking place, what is taking place and what will happen, we start by, by looking at the prediction of the kingdom. The world was created as a place complete in its uh, flourishing and its harmony under God's rule. That's how the world, the, the, the universe was created. Sin comes into the world. Sin's resistance of God's authority led to the unraveling of all of creation. It brought disorder and chaos, what we call the fall. It brought the fall to humanity. It brought, but see, that's not just a fall of humanity. It brought the fall of creation. That's why even plants die. Everything dies. Where God is not acknowledged as the king, and when God is not acknowledged as the king, relationship with God, the, the entirety of the human race, the physical na uh, nature of all things deteriorates. We see this in its clearest form in today's world, today's society. Look at what today's society, look at all the things that are going in our society, going on in our society. And it's all done in the name of loving somebody else. God is nowhere to be found. People are worshiping their idols. And we spoke about that last week. The problem is not only in our in us, in our society, but it's it's ventured, it's uh, it's ventured into the, the systematic the, the systemic governmental things of our society in, in, in our country and in other countries. It is embedded in, in the public, uh, public sphere. For example, in, in a recent video that was leaked out from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, it was a training video to train the people that work for the, for the Department of Veterans Affairs. They were instructed, the people that do the, the, the handle the veterans. They were instructed to confirm to the people that men can get pregnant. That sounds crazy. I mean, when you hear that, it sounds insane. 
But look at what they're trying to accomplish. They're trying to pacify. Look at the mentality they're trying to to get to 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 spread to the world. They were also encouraged to refer to refer to un to preborn babies, babies in the womb, not as babies, but as fetuses, embryos. The video goes on to refer to a fetus heartbeat as exactly that, just, just a heartbeat, a fetus heartbeat, not a baby's heartbeat. Baby is nowhere to be talked about, not in the, not in the mother's womb. In fact, the mother, they're, they're, they strongly encourage the, the, the people at the Veterans Affair not to refer to a mother as a mother, but a person or a veteran, but not mother. That's out of the question. See how it's, this is all working? They're tiptoeing around certain words so it won't be offensive to, to people that get abortions or people who identify themselves as not their gender. And this, is where our, our, this is where our society is at, and this is where, and it's continuing. It's continuing to deteriorate. This is the state of a fallen, of fallen creation. In the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, God reveals that redemption will ultimately entail the completion, the complete healing of creation to include social justice. There will be justice in the world, true justice, and it will unify all of humanity. And it would bring an, an end to the decay physical decay and death. That is the future. That is what's coming in the kingdom of God. So then, do we, how do we define this kingdom? Well, the kingdom of God then is the renewal of all creation. Think about that. I mean, is that beyond our comprehension? To renew all creation, including humans, to change everything. So, so when we talk, when when the Bible talks about the, the coming of the new heavens and the new earth, it's the restoration of the earth the way it was created originally and humanity. That's the mission. That's God. That's Christ's mission. That's what he came to do. That's what he came to restore. Passages such as Psalm 72 or Galatians uh, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, or Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 9 and 10 tell of the heart, the hearts, the relationships, the communities, and the practices that will be healed, that will be rewoven to the degree of perfection by the authority of Christ. So the next question that we look at is how do we enter into this kingdom? How do you think we need to, how do we get into a perfect, the restoration of creation? How do we enter? We know how. That's the gospel message. Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 tells us, he comes when he starts to, his ministry talking about this. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Believe the gospel message. Believe the gospel message. Passages 
such as Colossians, again, Colossians 1, verses 13 and, uh, 13 and 14. And the Gospel of St. John, chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, state that to enter, to enter this perfect realm, the, this kingdom of God requires forgiveness and rebirth. Forgiveness and rebirth. Romans 14, verse 17, says that the kingdom of God begins to, re to regenerate us and, and change our hearts and change our character. And that process has already started in you if you are God, if you believe in Christ, if you are a true believer. The process of this regeneration has already started. It will come to perfection, believe it or not, when he returns. He returns. Friends, things in the world are only properly understood. When we look at the world, we, we can only understand it when we realize that the world was created originally good in itself. That the world and all of us in it are marred we're marred by sin. We're tainted by sin. People that you know and, and some people that you love don't believe that. They don't want to believe that. They think that that is pretty horrific to think about. To think about that we, the God we worship, and the words he inspired to be written in what we call the Bible, cannot be true, that cannot be true, that we're not so marred by sin to where we cannot enter this, this future kingdom, go to this, this paradise that, that everybody wants to go to. But God's word is counter to that. And see, the reason they have not changed is because rebirth hasn't happened in their life. That's why we talk about, that's why we talk about that your salvation is not about prayer, but about faith. You cannot pray your way into heaven. All you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in the work that he has already done for us on our behalf, in our stead. That's how you're saved. See, if you think you're going to be saved by working your way, earning your way by doing all these good things and praying and praying and praying and praying, please save me, please save me. God is telling us, just believe. Believe what I'm telling you. Believe in my promises. And how do we show that we believe in his promises? How do we do that? How do you show that you believe in his promises to you personally? Well, you show it by receiving it, by receiving the gift, receiving the gift of grace. Receive it. You receive it because you believe. Now, our belief initially may not be very strong, and we may be full of doubts. But as we walk in this journey called sanctification, our Faith in him will increase and increase and increase. Theologian uh, Tim Timothy Keller is correct. 
when he wrote, the kingdom of God is the means for the renewal of the entire world and all the dimensions of life, all the dimensions of life from the throne of, of Jesus Christ flows new life and power such that no disease, decay, poverty, or pain can stand before it. When Jesus Christ, the King, came in his first advent, when he arrived the first time, he ushered in the beginning of the restoration of all things. Our Lord, when he walked this earth, showed a countless number of times examples of the restoration of what the restoration of creation would be like. He gave us Jesus's miracles. That's why the, the, in the Gospel of St. John, all of Jesus's miracles are referred to as signs. There are signs of the kingdom of God that is to come. It was a foretaste of what the kingdom of God was going to be like all these miraculous things that are going on. John the Baptist, he started doubting. Uh, he was a herald, right? You remember the story. He heralded the kid. You know, God is coming. The, the, the Lamb is coming. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. John the Baptist started doubting. He was sitting in prison when he was doubting because he knew the Messiah, who he claimed to be the Messiah, was here walking the earth. But here he is sitting in prison, awaiting who knows what, and he starts having doubt. And so he sends a messenger, he sends somebody to go ask Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? Or should we wait for someone else? Jesus responds. Jesus points to the signs of his ministry, saying, the blind see, and the lame walk, and the leopards are cleansed, the dead are raised. And the poor have the good news preached to them. Jesus uses miraculous power, again, to give us a foretaste of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God for the salvation of his people, the restoration of all creation by the rule of God and God's power. So what do we, when we read a passage like this, uh, like Ephesians that we heard read just a few minutes ago, when we hear that God, that Jesus' mission was to restore the creative order. What do we need to hear? What do we need to learn from all this? What do you need to learn from all this? Well, you need to, to learn that the way to relate to the kingdom of God is not through making yourself worthy or accomplishing these great deeds, it is by admitting your sins, admitting them, and your weaknesses. That's called what? What's that called? Repentance. See, sometimes we overlook our sins. We, you know, especially somebody like me. You came from filth, from a filthy mind, from darkness. And then you started, God saved me, and he, we started this journey of becoming holy. And so we start thinking, well, those were bad things, and the bad things I do now, ah, it's not that bad. We start comparing ourselves to someone else. 
We start overlooking the sinfulness that's still in our lives. And so when we, when we pray, when we pray and meditate on God's word, and we pray and meditate on the Lord, we think about things that, that we're doing that we shouldn't do. We think about our doubts. We think about the journey that he has us on and how we stumble when we repent. That's the journey. That's, that's the faith journey. That's the journey of being made holy. It is about repentance and believing in the message, believing in the, the, the message of the gospel. This is why our salvation is not about prayer. It is about faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Tolstoy also wrote another book. He wrote, another, he wrote many novels. One of the other books that he wrote was called The Kingdom of God Within You. The Kingdom of God Within You. Again, he claimed to be, claimed to be a, a Christian. He stated that he believed that Jesus Christ ushered in the kingdom of God on earth, and he used Jesus' teachings as an example of that. Now, his interpretation of Christianity was influenced by Jesus' teaching, especially the teaching of Jesus on the, uh, with, through the Sermon on the Mount, and because, I mean, that shows us a lot of morality. But the, the entirety of, of, of humanity has proven that he has been wrong. You see, he thought it was more about how we behave, our morality, rather than a divine figure. Our salvation, the restoration of creation, is not about our morality. Of course, God wants us to be, to be obedient to him, to, to, to be Christ-like, to show that we are part of his people, part of the kingdom of God. But salvation, the restoration of salvation, can only be accomplished by a divine figure, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. But to quote another, Wannabe theologian. Here's another wannabe theologian. Those of you who are football fans, college football fans, will know him. His name was Coach Nick Saban. The other day, when he he's been struggling this year, uh, his team has been struggling this year. In fact, they have one or two losses. I'm not really sure how many now. But anyway, they the, the reporters were asking him, "What would it take to get back on the winning track?" You know what he said? Well. He, what would it take to get back on the winning track? He said this. He said, it takes what it takes. It takes what it takes. It takes what it takes. So here's what he's talking about. He's saying, it takes what it takes. He says, so if you work even harder and your practice are even better and you try even harder, but you still lose, you still haven't done it. And, nobody, and the coaches coach hard, as hard as they can, and you still lose. You still haven't done it. What he's saying is it takes what it takes. Whatever it took to get the win, that's what it takes. In a very real way, he's right. He's right. It takes what it takes. For fallen humanity to be saved, it must be restored through the work of Jesus Christ. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Verses uh, 8 and 9 of the passage we had read just a few minutes ago. 
It makes it clear that for by, for by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not our own doing. This is not our own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Have you received that gift of eternity? Have you received it? Why should you care about Jesus' mission? Well, because it's your only hope for peace in your life, in the here and now, and for peace in, for all eternity. If you examine your life, you will know that you're at war right now. Even us Christians, we're still fighting battles. The war has been won, but the skirmishes are still going on. The battles are still going on, and God Christ will get us through it. Receive his love. Receive the gift of his son. St. Augustine, centuries ago, said it well when he wrote, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. Let us pray together. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.